You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Sometimes God withholds certain things from us that we think we need or we want and we get annoyed. I want that. But in reality, he's protecting us. In reality, he's protecting us. Happens a lot on the highways. When you hit that detour and you're really hot because you hit a detour, you really hit the detour. Maybe he's protecting you from something down the pike. Maybe he's protecting you from something. See, that's walking in worship. That's walking in knowledge of God. Sometimes God doesn't give us exactly what we want, exactly when we want it. Sometimes God gives us what we want, but not when we want Him to. And sometimes God doesn't give us what we want at all. God knows what's best for you, even if you feel like it isn't the best. He does it all because He loves you more than you know. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, as he continues his message, A Study in Contrast. You are Have you ever noticed one thing about commercials? If you have little kids, they're doing all kinds of things, playing while the movie's on or the show's on. But as soon as the commercials come on, something about they go, and they turn and they look. And they stare. And as soon as the commercial's over, they go back to playing with their toys. We sow. We sow. We sow. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And you will see. That even though the sons of Eli think they're getting something over on God, next week you'll find out that they do not get anything over on God. In fact, God comes down heavily upon the whole family. God comes down heavily upon the family. So now the contrast begins. Let's look at 12. In verses 12 through 21, we see just how disobedient these wicked sons were. And they're sowing practices, actually from 12 to 17. Let's read. The sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought out. So they did in Shiloh all the Israelites who came here. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would say, no, but you must give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was greatly, very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, over in verse 22, we see the first first part of the sentence says, Eli was very old. Eli is up in years now. And he basically begins to leave the priestly duties to his sons. But in verse 12, it says they were corrupt. The sons were corrupt. Actually, literally, Hebrew calls them the sons of Baal. 
We know that Baal is a pagan god. And the phrase here calls them basically wicked, worthless men. They practice open lawlessness. That's what the Bible's calling them. And then the next thing we said, they didn't know the Lord. Wait a minute, they were priests. He says they didn't know the Lord. They had no knowledge of God. They had no fear of God. They did not know the Lord. You know, there are many people in our circle who put on a great front. But in their hearts, they are ignorant to the things of God. Oh, they know all the Christianese. They know what to say. They come every Sunday. Even some people come every Wednesday. And they're very, very even people are active. But they don't know God. They have no knowledge of him. They don't know his character because they don't know his word. They don't spend time reading. They disrespect God's word by not allowing the word of God to change their lives. I am who I am, and you can't change me. This is the way I am. They listen time and time again, but no avail. They believe it's all for someone else. I love it when somebody comes to me, oh, such and such should have been here for the sermon today. That was for him or her. Well, not exactly. You were here, so it really was for you. It wasn't for someone else. It was for you. This is sad. Many children grow up in a Christian home are in the same boat today. They think that just because their parents are saved, they are too. This is totally false. And this comes directly from Satan. This is a ploy. They kind of assume that they know the Lord because mom and dad do. But young people have to have a passionate commitment to know the Lord for themselves. And knowing about the Lord just isn't enough. We read all through the Gospels that the, evil, the, uh, the spirits knew who God was. They even know who they were, he was. They must have a personal relationship with them all by themselves. These sons didn't know the Lord. And it's mind-boggling to think that they didn't know God. This becomes a significant problem, yeah. A huge problem. Well, number one, a problem for their salvation because they didn't know God. They didn't know of him. They didn't know his commandments and stuff like that. But the biggest problem was yet to be determined because they were going to take over the priesthood. They were going to take over the priesthood. The priesthood was handed down from generation to generation, from father to son to father to son, all the way down. Now, they did several things against God's word. First thing they did... The law precisely states what portions of sacrifices belong to the priest. You can read that all through the law. Leviticus 7, Leviticus 10, Deuteronomy 18. It all tells you about what the priests were entitled to. God was to take care of the priests. They were entitled to some of the sacrifice. They were entitled to get their food from the sacrifice. But these two guys took all the meat they wanted. And they even took that which belonged to the Lord as well. They didn't even wait until the meat was sacrificed. They just took it when they wanted it. I, I thought about this, and an interesting fact. In the Old Testament times, the fat was considered the choicest part of the meat. The fat was considered the choicest part of the meat. Yeah, and I just saw some of your faces go, Ugh. Why? Because today, the fat is considered the worst part of the meat. In fact, most of our cardiologists say, stay away from the fat. Don't take the fat. So could it be possible 
that God took the fat for himself, protecting his children from problems. Hmm, think of that. God desired the fat. God wanted the fat, and it was supposed to be given to him, burned up in the sacrifice. Why? So the children wouldn't eat the fat. Hence, they would live longer, and they would have healthier lives. Hmm, think about that. Interesting. Very interesting. God has a plan. People get so upset with the Levitical laws. The Levitical laws was an extremely healthy way to live. An extremely healthy way to live. And it wasn't veg- all vegetarian either. Now, if you love seafood like I do, you have a problem with the Levitical laws. But uh, Levitical laws were very, 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 very healthy. Sometimes God withholds certain things from us that we think we need or we want and we get annoyed. I want that. But in reality, he's protecting us. In reality, he's protecting us. Happens a lot on the highways. When you hit that detour and you're really hot because you hit a detour, because you hit the detour. Maybe he's protecting you from something down the pike. Maybe he's protecting you from something. See, that's walking in worship. That's walking in knowledge of God. I'm giving him thanks for, thank you, Lord, for keeping me from that. Thank you, Lord, for saving that. I get mad at my GPS when it reroutes me. I get mad at it. And sometimes I overlook the GPS and I go the way I think I'm supposed to go and I sit in a long, long line of traffic going, why don't they even listen to the GPS? They knew that there was a traffic stop there and they wanted me to go around it. See, God knows all the potholes that are coming towards us. He sees the beginning. He sees the end. And sometimes he says, Dave, go by the pothole this way. No, I'm going straight. Okay, come home. God protects us in many different ways. He protects us in many different ways. And we need to be aware of that. Need to be aware of that. Verse 17 says, Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. The men abhorred the offering of the Lord. I had to look up the definition of abhor. It's to regard with horror or loathing. It's to detest. I started to think about this word. I think about this scripture, and I'm thinking, there are people today that detest and abhor the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. There, they look upon it with horror and loathing. And just as God was preparing judgment for the sons of Eli, those people that have shunned the cross, those people that have ignored the cross, those people that have put the cross away in their loathe and horror, those people that detest the cross, God is preparing judgment for them as well. Not a pretty sight. The greatness of the sins of Eli was found in this, that they threw greed, violence, intimidations, and this was a bigger sin. They made others not one to come to God and bring their offerings to them. They were a stumbling block. They stumbled others. We've had many discussions about being a stumbling block or even making others blaspheme the God because of our actions. It's a horrible thing. But this is what the sons of Eli were doing. This was the second thing they did against God. They caused people to stumble, and they caused them to blaspheme God. 
And we come to the contrast in verses 18 through 21. But see how God changes everything with that one word? Every time at one word, he just changes the whole, whole focus. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year after year when she came up with her husband to stall for the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord will give you descendants from this woman for the loan that that was given to the Lord. And they would go to their home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. I love that. I love that. God was about to bring judgment down upon the house of Eli. But he was blessing Hannah and Elkanah with more children. Remember when it opened, she was barren. When we opened 1 Samuel 1, she couldn't have children. She was the brunt of all the jokes in the neighborhood, including Peninnah. She was the one who couldn't bear children. She was the one when they walked, she walked down to the well, they would go, there she is. Whispered about her, talked about her. Something wrong with her. She must really have sinned. She really must have sinned against God for God to close up her womb like that. That was the thought. Hannah and her husband Elkanah were indeed rewarded by God for their faithfulness. And this brings up a good study message. I don't know about you, but I have, a, I have a hard time with math. I do have a hard time with math. In fact, the three things from kept me from being an architect were uh, analytical geometry, calculus, you know, anyhow. Math. I have a hard time with math. But yet I was a shop teacher all those years, and I used more math than I could possibly ever think of. But math and I never got along. But you know what I have a hard time thinking about? God's math. God's math is so much different than ours. We can never understand God's math. His ways are simply not our ways. His math is so much better than ours. You know why? You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Give to God what is His, what belongs to Him. Give it to God. And you'll receive back more than you can ever imagine. And that's not me saying, that's the Bible saying that. Give to God what is hid. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. This must be the rule of our life when we put the priorities there. Yet it is wrong to think that this is just another priority to fit in a list of priorities. This should be at the top. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Instead, we do everything else but seek the kingdom of God. I'll give you a couple examples. We rarely have to choose between honoring God and loving our wives or being good workers. If we honor God and seek first the kingdom, we will be the good husband. We will be the good worker. Now, look at the context at which this was spoken of in Matthew 6. This was spoken of in immediate context. Jesus reminds us that our physical well-being is not worthy object to devote our lives unto. If you think it's worthy, then God is your mammon. Or mammon is your God. Your life is cursed with worry. You live too much like an animal, worrying about your physical needs. Remember, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about those things. Don't be concerned with your physical needs. Jesus tells us 
know that God is going to do something mightily. He's not telling us to, to stop worrying. No, he's not telling us to stop worrying. He's telling us to replace worry with the kingdom of God. Take your worry. My mom used to always call me a worry wart. You worry wart. I don't know what that means. I don't even know why I said that. A habit or a passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. We, we give that up. We give worry up to God. Cast all your cares on him because he cares on you. Be anxious for nothing. You know all the scriptures. If we put God's kingdom first and don't think about our physical well-being is worthy object to live our life for, then we're going to enjoy everything else. He promises heavenly treasure. He promises rest and divine provision. He promises fulfillment of his highest purpose for man. Does anybody know what the highest purpose of man is? Worship God. Fellowship with God. That's what we were designed to do, and that is the highest calling any one of us could ever have. Fellowshipping with God. Being part of his kingdom. But there's a choice. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's a fundamental choice that we have to make. We first repent and are converted. And yet every day after that, the Christian life will either reinforce this decision or deny this decision. Hannah gave her son back to God. Eli prayed that they would have descendants after descendants, and God blessed her with five more children. Five more children she had. Why? Our God is a giving God. Our God is a gracious God who gives liberally. He gives to us liberally. The greatest gift he ever gave to us, we will celebrate for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whomsoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is gracious in his gifts and you'll never outgive him. Give what is rightfully due him and leave the rest to him. Hophni and Phinehas were corrupt. In fact, they were called Satan. Baal is a Satan. Baal is, is the most pagan of all gods. It says they didn't even know God. But remember this. We have people we deal with every single day just like this. They are corrupt. They don't know God. But they will never... They will never hinder God's work. Just because you may deal with someone who doesn't believe in God, who chooses to see the cross as something detestable and horrible and loathes the cross, that will not negate God's work on the cross. It doesn't negate it. You can never hinder the work of God, ever hinder the work of God. And regardless of whomever believes it, it will never, ever cease to be true. You may look like it. It may look like it from time to time that people are actually hindering the work of God. It very well may look like it. I mean, you see Eli's sons. I mean, they're having a grand old time. They must be getting real fat, eating all this stuff. And you're going to see they have a sexual appetite too. 
And they fall into sexual immorality with the women who serve in the tabernacle. It's a horrible, horrible thing for ministers these days to fall privy to their sexual appetite. We'll study that next week. It looks like. It looks like they're hindering the progress of God. And then God raises up Samuel. God raises up a man or a woman to do his calling, to do his bidding. He raises them up and he prepares them and he sends them out with all the power necessary. I believe in my heart that God is raising up this church. I believe in my heart that God is raising up all of you to carry on a work until he comes. And should he tarry longer than we expect, there's work to be done. And he's raising this church up to do this work. God is raising this church up to be a beacon of light in the midst of this darkened place down here we call home. His work will not be hindered, not by drugs, not by prostitution, not by the homeless. His work will not be hindered by us. God's work will continue, and I believe he wants to use this church. Looking to and fro throughout the land for a heart that he can show himself strong on their behalf. One heart. That's what God's looking for today. One heart. I see before me a group of hearts ready to go. A group of hearts ready to take that challenge. Wanting to change the where area and they live to make this a godly area. A area that worships the one true living God in spirit and in truth. God's work doesn't stop when God's ministers are corrupt either. God will always make a way. Always. We must believe that and we must have faith in that, that he has chosen to use this church in some reason. Because time and time and time and time and time again, I get the same response. I'm going to do a work the likes of which you've never seen. I don't know what that means. But I really am excited to find out. I really want to find out because if it's coming from God, you can bet it'll be good. And you can bet it'll be great. Amen? We'll see judgment of God falling upon the household of Eli in the remaining verses of the chapter. Read ahead. Read ahead and look and to see how these ministers of God fall and what they do and what God does to them and how God comes down, sends a man to visit them, a prophet to visit them and gives them a warning and how they don't change and how God reacts. It's a wonderful thing. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.